Welcome to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast, where we share practical life hacks, shortcuts, designed to shape your best life and business in the least amount of time. I'm your host, David Ubita. Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs starts right now. Hey, welcome back to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast, where we share practical life hacks designed to shape your best life and business. My name is David Ubita, your host. Our next guest is an accomplished musician, songwriter, producer, and film composer, mostly recognized for his Grammy-nominated Nouveau Flamenco project Esperanza, and his work on Empire, which is on Fox, Baywatch Hawaii on NBC, and Sex and the City on HBO. His name is Carlos Villalobos, and we'll dive into his story when we return. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast, where we share practical shortcuts, life hacks to shape your best life and business. I'm here with the legendary Carlos Villalobos, he is an extraordinary music producer, uh, film composer, artist, and makes a mean cup of coffee. So I'm just saying that uh, I'm super stoked to be here with you, man. Thank you so much for mm. taking the time to do this. Thanks for coming by, man. So awesome. real quickly, I want to brag <laughs> a little bit on my on my brother here. If you notice in the background here, uh, there are some some plaques. And no, he did not buy them in a flea market. He earned those, and we'll talk about those shortly. So, Carlos, yeah. before we dive into some of the uh, accolades and some of the, the work that you're known for globally, really, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about your journey. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, when did you start doing music? And prior to starting our session, you were telling us also yeah. a right. really interesting story that I'd love us to dive in, which was okay. your first professional gig. Yeah. So, okay, I was always into music. That was a given. I knew since I was a little kid that uh, this is what I wanted to do. Um, and I always leaned towards doing more music all the time, you know, uh, but it was just not really something my parents wanted me to do. Um, so basically, uh, when I was going through high school, um, everyone was pretty excited that I was going to go study pre-med and go to college and become a doctor. So they had that track already assigned. Oh, it was already there, you know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I, in high school, I started playing with uh, some bands, and, and one of the bands that I played with, they were older. They were at Columbia College in Chicago studying sound engineering and stuff. So they wound up uh, being interns at a recording studio as part of their curriculum and learning. And I got to hang out with them, you know, be- while I was in high school and check out these studios. So I started to intern, not intern really, just hang out at uh, Chicago Tracks. And when I was at Chicago Tracks, Ministry was recording there. And Stephen George, who was their original drummer, was engineering a, a, a new project he had. He was just the nicest. He's still, I still keep in touch with him. He's the nicest guy ever. And um, 
he started teaching me some engineering little tricks, hacks, and I also, you know, I got to shoulder him and watch how he produced. And he As he engineered? Engineered, he produced, he was a songwriter too, and he just did, they did a lot. So I kind of got to learn those little tricks. So he later went, uh, a year or two later, he was at Jive Records, which was in Chicago, and they had, you know, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, R all Kelly. these artists, yeah, and R. Kelly um, was producing Michael Jackson at the time. Um, he was doing a song, You Are Not Alone. What happened was <clears throat> I had been out of town and I just got back into town and I heard this answering machine message from Steve-O that said, hey man, give me a call back uh, if you get this right away. And I actually did. I had just happened to get it. So I, I called him back and he said, listen, we were trying to get this one guy to do the guitars for a Michael Jackson track. <laughs> Are you available before he could finish? I was kind of like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> No problem. What do you want me to do? Yeah, so he's like, we need some nylon string guitar stuff, and we need some, you know, electric stuff. So, you wow. know, bring, bring your guitars or whatever. So I was like, okay, yeah, this will be, be amazing. So I remember thinking, whoa, wait a minute, this is my first. Like, I, I don't, I'd only been doing it a couple of years already. So it was like. Doing what a couple so, of years? Just music in general. Just like, just trying to pursue thing, it learning. and trying to find, yeah, learn it. So I was like way too new to, to even do this. But, you know, I, I, the one thing that comforted me was it was Steve-O who was engineering. Um, and sort of producing, uh, R. Kelly was producing it as well, but like a lot, he was out of town too, so a lot of it was over the phone stuff, so we would talk and, you know, what else do you need, that kind of thing. But I got to go into a professional atmosphere as a, uh, you know, uh, a session musician, and um, so I played all my parts and everything. I was there for a couple of days, and I got paid a lot of money, and I, it was at that point that I thought, oh my God, I need to do this full time <laughs> more often because if I could do the, just think if you could do one of these a week <laughs> I was so dumb like like I'm gonna get Michael Jackson all the time <laughs> but anyway so Steve-O oh, helped man. me sort of definitely uh, he gave me the uh, you know I, I it was he was just so positive about everything that my experience was a little too good mm. like it was like I didn't expect it to be so hard later because I sort of slid in right away right um, and he was such a good producer, and he's, he still is, you know, and he's just such a good person, and he's super patient, and later on you find out that that's not every session is going to be like that, you know. But I got kind of spoiled, and that completely made me more interested in staying uh, on the music side and sort of avoiding the, uh, the, the med school approach. Uh, I, I still did go to college, and I still did get degrees in different things, but uh -huh. not in music until later. Really? Yeah. So you went to like the school of hard knocks and just for music, sharpening, yeah. sharpening your your teeth and and then walk me through that whole experience. It's your first Oof. professional anything musically, and it was the first big thing I did for many years. After like nothing happened after that, <laughs> <laughs> it was like completely dead. We just play in my garage, and I was just <laughs> it was yeah, it was trying to like you know figure out how to get keep. I, I really have to thank my mom. And, and my dad. I mean, they were just, they, my dad not supportive so much, but my mom was so supportive that, like, if she said, come on, let him, you know, he would eventually give right. in. Right. So, I mean, I, I love them both to death. They, they completely helped me along the way. And they, they saw it was really hard, but of course they wanted me to, you know, man up and make it. You sure, know? sure. So it was, it was, um, it was a long process. It was, it was not overnight. Like they say, overnight's 10 years. Now it's 20 years, I think. Yeah, but, or 30 but, or 40. Yeah, years. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was, it was very, um, it took a while. And, and, but there were a lot of ups and downs. 
I mean, it wasn't so bad that it was always down. Right, right, right. You know? Right. Well, you wouldn't have this, you know, kick-ass studio and, and the reputation that you've built in the business over the years because you've, you know, you really stayed in there and you didn't give up. Well, I gave up a lot. And fortunately, there were friends that were always there to kind of pick me up or tell me, you know, uh, you know, come and join us. Like, uh, Empire was not something I, I, I had quit before Empire. I was done. Quit what? Music. I was done. I was like, what did you do? I, well, I was fed up with it. I was going back to school uh, to study cognitive science and get into psychology and uh, sort of stay on that end. And uh, a good friend of mine, Michael Nays, he owns Periscope Post Audio, which is a, 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 a studio, recording studio. They do post-production, they do music, they do everything. And they're set on the lot, like they're on Cinespace lot where they film all the shows. Yes, yes. So you, I've actually been yes, there with you. Yes, you were there. Yes, yeah. that's right. It's it's amazing now. They've done so much to it. It's a beautiful place. Um, but Mike um, had this post house he had started, and he asked me to help out. And I started helping, and I got in sort of on the post side mm. while I was, you know, deciding the whole school route, and um, which was great because I got to learn a little bit more about film and TV and stuff like that, which sort of encouraged more of my composing side, which we'll talk about later. But uh, when I was there... Uh, I, I just didn't want to do this anymore. I was like, you know, I'm, it's not creative for me. It was just engineering and stuff post. It was, it was sort of, for me, I just didn't feel like I was getting anything out of it. It just felt like a little, I got bored. So Mike called me one day and he said, you know, uh, Terrence Howard's coming into the studio. He's doing a song. It's for a new show that he's going to be doing. He's in Chicago. I was like, that's neat. He's like, <laughs> yeah, like will okay. you come in and produce it? You know, da, da, da. Uh, I was trying to think of a producer, and I thought I'd give you the gig. And I was like, you know, I, I don't want to do it. He's like, all right, well, let me know if you, you don't want to do it, whatever. But anyway, then he called me back, and he said, come on, you got to do it. You know, and I'm like, no, nah, dude, you know I quit. I mean, he said, come on, man, you got to get out of your slump. <laughs> He's, <laughs> like, out of your I'm slump. Yeah. He's like, just, just come <laughs> in and do this, and, you know, I'll pay you X amount. And I said, uh, I don't know. He's like, I'll tell you what, I'll pay you that amount, and I'll give you an engineer, and you'll have an assistant, and all you got to do is just come in and produce it. So I, I gave in. I said, okay, fine. And, um, and that's how it started. Uh, I met Terrence at the studio, and we were working on one of the songs for what would be Empire. And um, what was a Terrence, couple hours into it. Like, what was he like working with? He's so funny. He, he, <laughs> I love that guy. He's so funny. Um, he, th that first day we were working, he said basically, like, you know, uh, after two hours of working, and you know he plays flamenco guitar. Oh, he he's does. A, yeah, he's a guitar player. He's a singer. Go figure. Yeah, he's he's great. And so we were talking about um, guitar stuff like that. We were talking about he finished Iron Man at that time. You know all that. Oh was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He so was in Iron Man. we were talking about that and just about you know he was talking about his old films. I was talking about my old records and stuff. But then he was like, "You're my producer, man." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." I, 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 <laughs> like, you don't understand. Yeah. I don't even want to be here. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I told him I'm not a hip hop guy. I was a rock guy, and I did pop and stuff. But you know, hip hop is a whole new world for me. And um, so, so he said that you know, and I was like, "Oh, whatever." But then we did wind up working more on some other stuff, and then Mike hired me on staff, and then I was engineering and co-producing tracks, which led to eventually Fox hiring me as a, a songwriter, so I did some of the songwriting and production work on everything since season one. Wow. So, yeah, and last season was, you know, season four already, done. season five starting in a few weeks. In a couple few weeks. weeks. Wow, wow. And then, yeah. and then that's when we won't see you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be between, between that and some, <laughs> uh, yeah, and two other projects, I'm going to be buried. 
So let's talk a little bit about prior to getting to uh, the Terrence Howard Empire situation. Mm -hmm. You obviously did work be in between mm -hmm. that time from oh, yeah. the Michael Jackson piece. Yeah. <clears throat> Who are some of the other artists and or projects that you've been able to leave your signature on? So what happened was in... Uh, I kind of went through the whole like trying to figure things out, engineering, produce, or songwriter, what can I do, trying to get a publishing deal, trying to do all that, but I didn't have connects. Mm. So it was it was really hard. And we're talking about late 90s, so it was like there was just nothing really going on, mid to late 90s. So after the Michael Jackson thing, I had met a guy who owned a recording studio in Hawaii. Um, and uh, I'd asked for a job, and he'd said, you know, if anything ever opens up, I'll let you know. Anyway, he had an opening. and. Uh, I moved out there in 96. To, to Hawaii. To Hawaii. Wow. Um, which was completely non-LA. But he had uh, a top recording studio in Honolulu. And uh, they were called Audio Resource Honolulu. And Tony, like, basically had this big studio, right? And so <clears throat> I started working with him. There was an engineer there named Milan Bertosa who was just genius. He taught me so many cool things. These guys were originally from Chicago. Get out. And yeah, and, and Tony Hugar went to Northwestern University. So he like was a business dude. He knew everything. And they wow. started their studio there. Just so it's, again, series of accidental things that happened to me that were just amazing. So I wound up working over there, um, learning engineering. And almost immediately, I started like producing some of the island um, artists. And um, through my association with Tony in the studio and stuff, there were acts that came in mm. um, and I got to produce those acts. And from that, I wound up having um, a lot of songs on the radio there that did really well, turned into number one hits. I worked with like a, a reggae guy, Ocean, who was really big, Jalen, Glenn Medeiros, who was a huge dude at the time. Um, and then later, you know, more people because uh, after, after three years there and, and after everything that like I had done I almost like I, th I think it was done I had a record deal too I got a record deal with my project Esperanza and at the time it was called La Esperanza and so I, I wound up kind of outgrowing the island and it was time to move to LA so I moved to LA end of 99 and 2000 beginning of 2000 I wasn't even there 10 months I remember that. I got a call from the music supervisor for Baywatch Hawaii uh -huh. and he wanted me to talk to the executive producer who mm. who kept asking the supervisor who did this song, who did this song. My name always came up because I had done a lot of the pop island sort of reggae pop vibe. So he said, get him on the phone. And, you know, blah, blah. anyway, I had just moved to L.A. I didn't want to do the show again. I didn't want to do anything. <laughs> and uh, I, I was like auditioning for rock bands. I wanted to be in a rock band. I had friends that were in rock bands that were doing really good. And that was always, you know, I always keep going back to rock and then it keeps pulling me away. I uh, made that itch. Like. Yeah. So I made some ridiculous demands on the phone because that's what my attorney at the time said to do. And um, they called me back like a couple of days later and said, fine. And I was like, oh, shit. So they, they <laughs> said, we're packing up your house in three days, and we're flying you out to Hawaii. Wow. And I, I literally went to Hawaii, and I remember the first day. Sounds horrible. Yeah, the first day I saw, well, the, one, of the, uh, one of the female stars was a friend. She dated an old friend, so she was on the show. Uh, and I met, uh, you know, my, my first, quote, unquote, I guess, Hollywood friends that we hung out with, like, all the time in Hawaii. It was, like, Jason Momoa, who, who's doing great now. You know, he's... Aquaman and yeah 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 he's so he's doing really yeah. well Charlie Brumley who's we're, we're all still friends Charlie's doing uh 
He's also acting. He's doing his own movies now. So I'm actually working with him on a new movie that he's putting out, I think, next year. And so I'm doing some of the music for him and helping him with that movie. Nice. Um, and, you know, my first girlfriend that was a Hollywood girlfriend was on the show. So right, and, and who is this? I... She was she was on the show, <laughs> so so she's a sweetheart. But you know, it just didn't work out. But anyway, so so I wound up in Hawaii for like uh, a you know ten months, working on this series, doing one original song per week because they still had the original music mm. composers doing the music back in L.A. Got it. So it was the coolest thing because I was sort of a hired producer to work with local artists. So we would do one original song a week, and we would have a local famous artist do the vocals on it, sing on it or whatever. So it was me and, and uh, the music supervisor. We'd work together, Glenn Medeiros. Uh -huh. We would work together on the uh, on the basic track or whatever. Or we'd bring a band, if it was a band, and we'd all co-write together, get this track done, record it, get it approved, and done. Mixed, sent over, next. And I would do it every week for 23 weeks. Wow. So it was... Um, and I was on the island, and it was, it was you know, you're in Hawaii. Yeah, it know, sounds horrible. Man. Fall in love with a girl. <laughs> oh, so. man, your life sucks. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> it was really bad. So so I wound up um, sort of that. So again, now my next experience was like, wow, so cool. Yeah, yeah. Then I got back, and it went to shit. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I, went, I, I came back, and I had more projects. I was working on the next es Esperanza CD, and then I wound up having... Um, uh, I was doing a lot of music licensing, which is big now, and in 2001, that, that was sort of the beginning of that. So I started doing reality shows, MTV shows, uh, stuff on Discovery. Um, and this is the music for the Yeah, for the so shows. they were using my music sort of mm -hmm. as background beds, music beds, for mm -hmm. these shows. So I got into licensing kind of early, and at the time I finally was able to do my rock project. I uh, did a small tour that sucked. Um, you know, I had some problems with band members and stuff like that I was like you know what maybe I don't want to do the band thing anymore so I went back to producing and I got to work with like Leslie Matta and some you know amazing amazing every artist I've worked with has just been great to work with so I haven't had like any bad experiences any like nightmare situations. no yet. no I've, I've never really um, yeah I've never d dealt with like you know crazy the crazy stuff I mean I, I have and but it's never been so out of crazy hand. like the stories you hear like you know so and so was a diva and went off the chains and went nuts and stuff like that it, it you know i don't see that as extreme i guess cuz you can kind of expect it sure so sure it's just never bothered me Got it. and i think taking my approach of you're almost you're almost a therapist when you're working with artists you know in a studio so you have to be mindful that you know, it, it, yes, you or the label or whoever you're working for wants a good product. Mm -hmm. But the artist is also trying to do something, and you can't negate that. In terms and you of can't, interpretation. Yeah, and you can't negate what they want to do. So you have to kind of listen to what they do. And you sometimes you have to, you know, softly push them towards the other way just so they can see, you know, that there's a, your point of view, basically. But you want to see all points of view, right? So you're, you're almost parenting. <laughs> you're almost finding a way to sort of make everyone happy and massage the situation. So I think as a producer, that's always been my role. So I've never had to work with anybody that's been out of control or been a thief or, or argued with me about something or whatever. It's always been an, a, a much easier process than I think some other producers maybe. Well, I've heard other producers that. talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that because I know that's almost counterintuitive to what the media projects to society, right? Right. 
it's always sensationalized. Hey, where this person made this out, you know, outlandish request or super difficult to work with just for the sake of ratings. Right. But for example, even in Empire, you've worked with some really amazing artists. Mm. I mean, mm -hmm. like, you know, Mariah Carey, mm -hmm. um, the list goes on. Who are some other artists that you've worked with? And w what separates them? What, what, what makes them <clears throat> you know, easy to work with, and is it just the talent piece? Well, I, I think the one thing people, uh, Mariah, she was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> she she's talented. She she knows her stuff. You know, but most of these people don't realize that. First of all, it took you many years to get to the point that you're at when you're successful or you're considered a diva or someone who's hard to work with, right? So those people have had experiences along the way. That some of them become harder. And, and a little bit more, uh, they, they become a little more difficult Got it. to work with because they've experienced difficulties along the way. Sure. So you kind of have to understand that. It's not about that moment. It's about what what happened all the way along their career to get to where they got, right? Yeah, because we all so have a story. Yeah, so it's like yeah. a personal thing. And I never ask. Hmm. But you can, you can sort of work with people and easily find out where you stand and, and and how to navigate that sort of situation, right? Mm, mm. So, um, I'm not going to name names, but for example, there was one person that was uh, very difficult to work with in, for the first couple of hours. And a lot of it was, I think, somewhat controllable, but not so much because there were too many people in the room. Mm. <clears throat> and when you have too many people in the room and they're all kissing their ass, it's very difficult to sort of get the situation under control. <coughs> Excuse sense. me. After they leave, now you've got a smaller group. Maybe it's just you and an engineer, producer, or whatever, and you get to talk. And once you get to talk one-on-one -on -one, mm -hmm. and you say, this is my story, this is your story, let's figure this out. Let's, what do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? And this is what we want to accomplish. Uh, once you have the, that little talk, it's, it's so much easier. And then you find out that that person who was being an asshole or being a diva or being difficult to work with it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, that's and, a great and there's, point. There's no, yeah, and then there's no more issue. That's a great point because <coughs> I've noticed that my favorite part, even in doing podcasts or interviewing and mm -hmm. working with CEOs or pro athletes, whatever the case is, right. it's a humanizing piece, the yeah. human factor yeah. that draws Everyone us wants all. to be understood. Yeah, it's all it is, man. You so know, it, do, it, do you feel my vibe? Are we on the same page? Mm -hmm. You know, how can we work together to move this project along? Right. Right, and that's that's pretty much what it is. So again, because of I guess my methodology, it's never been so um, difficult for mm -hmm. me working with people who are, you know. And that's the other thing. There are some producers who, I mean, I, I I get starstruck once in a while, but once we get to working and whatever, you know, it's it's, it's a whole different. Give me an example of of a time that you were starstruck. Starstruck. Probably every like every <sighs> Michael Jackson. Uh, Mariah Carey. I mean, when you're talking the legends, yeah, yeah, you know, Patti LaBelle, oh, people man, like that. Sure. I was, and then you find, you know, that there's they're humans. They're the sweetest people. They're so nice. Um, and then you're like, wow, this is what was I like nervous about? You yeah. know, they're just regular people. But you still get a little starstruck because you know their accomplishments. You know where they've been. Sure, that's you know, and, and 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 the, I think the starstruck part that I get is is not being nervous of meeting these people. It's me trying to shut my mouth because I want to <laughs> ask them like their experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, humana, so, humana, humana. so I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, it's so and so. 
I so want to ask a million questions <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're not what you would think, you know, but yeah. it's like, I want to know what your journey was like or whatever. So sometimes if you have a long enough session with an artist that's a caliber artist like that, uh -huh. sometimes you do get to ask those questions and, and the answers are just incredible, you know, they're remarkable. So, so it's really, really, really cool. You learn so, some stuff from it, you know, life lessons, I guess you could call it. Powerful, man. So we've talked a little bit about your journey, talked a little bit about what you're doing now. Um, let's talk a little bit about the business aspect, mm -hmm. um, the music side, because I think most people get caught up in the the nostalgia of meeting celebrities and having you know beautiful plaques on the wall and mm -hmm. red carpet treatments and this right. and this and that. But I think which is the sexy. Most people get caught up in the sexy. How about the behind the scenes, the business side? Uh, what are some uh, things that have changed uh, for you? Mm. on the business side? Um, when I started, uh, I didn't have as much information readily available to me. I relied on managers and uh, you know accountants and attorneys to pretty much do my business for me. What I did learn was from books that were old. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so things that I would think about and ask questions sometimes were sort of either brushed aside or kind of like ignored. Uh, because as an artist at that time, you were an artist. You were not the business guys. Let us think and you do. Yeah, don't confuse it too. Right. Um, <laughs> that's why I love it today because mm -hmm. you have to know your business. You know, and it, you, but you, I guess I love it because I come from that side. Like for me, it's about the business. It's called the music business, not the music. Yeah, yeah. So everything about this what we do is a business, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you were an artist, you would have to have your own art gallery. You'd have to have something that's, you know, in you, that's business, right? You got to sell your product. So for me, uh, today now you have, I think, more opportunity um, in the sense that you can find more opportunity. It doesn't mean you're going to get more opportunity because you still got to chase it, but you can find more opportunities. And when it's up to you to decide, do I want to climb this way? Do I want to climb that way? Do I want to take this one and skip it or, or skip it? Or do I want to take that one and you know, forget that one? No one has the same route in this business. They never did because everyone you know, kind of zigs and zags. I started out wanting to be an artist and I wound up going this way to mm. producer and you know, composer. And it's not because I didn't want to do the artist thing. It's because I didn't have the money or the connections to do that. Yeah. Right. So I had to do something else to make money, which was licensing composing and all that stuff because I was getting more uh, immediate cash from that as opposed to hoping that my records would sell and you know and so forth so knowing the business um, is paramount to success in this business it, there's no way you're gonna do it because even if you have a lawyer even if you have a manager even if you have you know assistance and representation as I do it, it they're, they're there to help you but you need to make the decisions of where you want your career to go and how it's going to go. Mm. And you can do that much easier now mm. than you could before because we have social media branding, we have outlets to do that. It, you didn't have that in the past. So today, business in general is just beyond, beyond super important. And it changes constantly because now we have new media left and right and we mm. have you know, social media, and then we have new platforms, and we have, you know, Instagram and InstaFace, and there's going to be so many new things coming out. There's app developers um, that are making all these new apps, you know, for the next generation. It's just, just a lot going on. So it's getting spread out. There's, there's so much, you know, 
that you can pick and choose from, but you have to plan your, your, your career. And if you don't plan it by doing your business first, mm -hmm. you're going to be all over the place for a very long time because you're not going to know, you're not going to have a goal. You're not going to have a direction. What's one like cold, hard fact about the music business? You will be poor. <laughs> I, hey, that's that's a reality in business across because yeah. you know I, one of my favorite quotes from Mark Cuban is you only have to get it right once. Yeah, and that's right? so true. Just get it, but there's like a thousand times beforehand that we like totally suck at it. Even when and you don't get make it, a dime. Yeah, and even when you get it right that one time, the stuff that you do after is going to fail too. And you you know you've just got to hope that you've got enough from that first time that you get it right. Yeah, yeah. To to sustain you through the next set of you know, crap you go through, but, but yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it's definitely, um, <clears throat> a business where it's very hard to make money and you need to keep tabs on your income. Uh, one of the suggestions I have, which is something I, I recently started doing is just keeping my own spreadsheet with every song title I have with proper songwriter splits and publisher splits and everything so that I know that everything's correct there and if I get statements that are wrong or if I get a letter saying something else or if I suddenly notice that my sound exchange has a different publisher on it or whatever I'm prepared to send things out immediately because this stuff takes a long time to get corrected and these things happen all so you're cross-referencing all the time constantly and um, you know to the point where I have an assistant who does that now full-time mm. because things get messed up yeah. you know yeah um, so I think that's that's one of the things. Your catalog is so important. It's, it's IP, you know, intellectual yeah. property, and it's worth something. So um, I think the biggest thing that I would tell uh, anyone getting in the music business today is to know your value, because mm -hmm. a lot of people are being told, you know, to do things for free. They're being told that you need to prove yourself, and you need to do this, you need to do that. It, th that's not true. I mean. Yes, you do need to prove yourself and you do need to be good. But if you're good and if you're showing some success, uh, don't listen to anyone else. You know, know your value. Don't be doing things for free. Get something out of it because it's becoming the norm. You know, there was a Facebook post from a composer um, in this composing group um, in London. And he, he had this post and I was like, man, it's, it's everywhere. And he basically was saying, you know, composer, I mean, directors have been coming to him and he's good, really good. It's not like this guy's a beginner. He's a <laughs> conductor. He knows his music and everything. He's talking about how, you know, these directors keep coming up to him and they either send him an email or they get in contact with him and they say, we don't have a budget. Do my music for free. And he's saying, how do I avoid this? Like, basically, right? Mm. I mean, it's... It, I don't know if there's a way to fix it because he says it's happening to him more and more. And I've had people also call me up and say, look, we can do something or we can do a back end, we can do points or anything. But if it's really small, there's really going to be no points in it. And, and I have done that for people and it's usually because it's someone I know or it's a little project I believe in. It didn't require me to spend months on it, maybe a week or two, mm -hmm. and I was able to do something quickly for them. That's okay. But you have to pick and choose your projects. And the thing is, if you do something for free, you're, hopefully you're doing it for a friend, right? But you can't be out there doing things for free. For everybody. And then 
not expect people to talk about you doing it for free. Yeah. Because people talk. It's a small business. Yeah. And they'll say, well, he did, he, he did my score for nothing, dude. You should yeah. give him a call. Yeah. So, and if you're really good, you got to know your value. That's the bottom line. So you don't want to be in a position where you're constantly doing things for free. Yes, you can do discounts. Yes, you can do a, a little bit of money and a, some points on the back end. You can work something out, you know, have the director freaking do a documentary on you if you're going to do his music for free. Something. But don't do it for free. So let's talk about that real quickly as we wrap this up here, mm -hmm. which is a great life hack, a great shortcut, because I think most people uh, will do the work and they shortchange themselves. Mm -hmm. And some are afraid for the ask. Some are afraid yeah. to say, hey, this is what I'm worth. Right. And I remember working, uh, interviewing a, uh, a CEO earlier this year in our podcast. Last year, they made $350 million, And one of the things he told me was similar to what you said. And he said, David, never undervalue yourself. Mm -hmm. They either can afford you or they cannot. Right. So with that being said, mm -hmm. What would you say or how would you craft this version of Carlos to the version of Carlos is just starting out? What would be the best piece of advice? Would it be the whole value piece or would there be something else that you would like say, hey, Carlos, this is what I want you to focus on? I would definitely, look, I wouldn't change anything because I already kind of knew what I wanted to do. But I would assure myself that Knowing your business, knowing how everything works and how all these pieces fit together, and knowing your value are the two most important things in any creative field. Mm. Because we're in a field where we don't know what to charge. We don't have a set hourly rate, and we don't have a set basic, you know, I mean, unless you're a union musician where you, you're getting paid or whatever to do some stuff, which, you know, union gigs are hard to find if you're outside of LA or New York and you're not working for an orchestra or you're not working you know for all the recording studios and labels that are in town that's a small you know it's a handful of people and they, they have their own representation and everything and they set the rates for them and everything's you know fine and dandy but if you are independent rates vary from city to city town to town country to country and you never really know what your rates are so what you have to do is figure out your value Figure out what you can do, uh, comparables, I guess you could call it, and, and figure out what you can start charging and then go from there. If, if people aren't paying you anything, you got to question one of two things. I'm charging too much or maybe I'm not ready yet. Or maybe not that good. Well, that's similar to I'm trying to say that. Okay, right. maybe I'm not ready yet. <laughs> you haven't and, put and, enough time mm, into your craft. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, there are, there are some people who, you know, you know, get into it much sooner. Um, and I'll be honest, it takes money, it, it, like any business. Mm -hmm. um, this one, depending on where you want to go, can t you know you want to go to the top. That's how much money you're going to need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to climb your way up. That's how much money you're going to need as you go up. Um, but it is all about knowing the business, and it's all about knowing your value and figuring it out because it's going to change day to day. It's going to be different on a project per project basis. You know, some projects will have a little more money to pay you. And the more you get a better reputation in the business and you start to do your work and you're climbing up, people will call you and there will be budgets and there will be, you know, they're not going to try and rip you off. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, you just you just have to get to that point. And it's, it's a climb. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, Carlos, 
Thank you so much for hanging out of with course, us today. Man. Guys, Thanks. we'll catch you on the next segment. Thank you for listening to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast with your host, nationally featured author, speaker, and online marketing strategist, David Ubeda. We'd love to hear from you. Visit our Facebook page right now and tell us about your favorite episode at Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs. And make sure to share this episode with someone else. This would also inspire. Until next time, continue to grind, grow, and give.